everyone is a star child made of stardust and the infinite potential of the universe. This extraordinary fearless something in each of us clamors for freedom from the bonds of fear, conformity, and an ordinary life. Welcome to Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot, where practical tools and solutions from the intersection of mind-body medicine, science, and spiritual well-being awaken and empower you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. Hi, I am your host, Dr. Valen A. Durr of Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot. Today, we're going to have part two of my discussion with my guests about the protective illusion of the Black Superwoman complex. And in part one, we set the framework for the origins of that complex, which is African people were brought here against our will as enslaved people in order to satisfy the profit, power, and pleasure of the landed gentry, i.e. wealthy white males. And how, as, as, a, as a coping mechanism, as Dr. Mawusi Arnett talked about, Black women developed what we call the strong Black woman or the uh, Black superwoman complex as a way to cope with that, as a way to be seen as equals in a society that frankly has never accepted us as equals. Also in that desire to excel in every, areas, every area of our life, We've also taken care of others at the expense of meeting our own needs and dealing with our own emotional pain. So joining with me again this week to have part two of the conversation are my guests, Dr. Bridget Arnett and Dr. Mawusi Arnett. Hi, thanks for having us back. Thank well, you. hello. I'm, you know, I'm so glad you all have been able to join me for this, you know, important conversation uh, because it's 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 a rich excuse me a rich deep conversation that I think has been enlightening for us as we have the conversation and we know that it will uh, you know uh, in, awaken and enlighten and inform. Uh, 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 others who who have the uh, you know the open mindedness to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I agree. So, so just as a reminder um, to the audience of right the 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 um, excellence the the exceptional women that we have on the program today. Black girl magic in the house, right? <laughs> yes. Hey. <laughs> that that is represented here today. Let uh, me just re- just re- remind people uh, of, of that. So uh, again, we have uh, my guest, Dr. Bridget Arnett, and um, she has an MD and a PhD with board certifications in neurology, clinical neurophysiology, and sleep medicine. She has more than 20 years of experience and is the clinical advisor of bitewellness.com, 
a text message-based wellness learning community for Black women looking to shift habits, cut disease risk, and boost well-being. So, and then Hello, there, well, yes, 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 yes. Uh, so that's Dr. Dr. Ar Dr. Bridget Arnett, and then of course, as as as, as uh, Dr. Mawusi, you know, uh, shared with us again, they are mother daughter. Uh, Dr. Mawusi Arnett being the daughter, but Dr. Mawusi Arnett is an MD and has an MPH, which is a master's in public health from Johns Hopkins, uh, is from her MPH, and uh, the, her MD is from the University of Pennsylvania. So again, Black excellence. Uh, so Dr. Mawusi Arnett is a physician entrepreneur with a background in health disparities, research, and board certifications in both family medicine and obesity medicine. She is the founder and CEO of BiteWellness.com, a text message-based wellness learning community for Black women, again, looking to shift habits, cut disease risk, and boost well-being. And then they both co-host a weekly uh, workshop that's a wellness workshop on Wednesdays, um, and, and again, in order to help improve uh, the health and wellness uh, of Black women. So again, I want to welcome you both back to the program today, and we can continue this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Ballin. Thank this you. Is such Thank a you for having us. special space to have, really have the three of us talking together. So thank you for that. So yes, yes, yes. So, and again, just also as a reminder for folks, Dr. Bridget Arnett um, also in, 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 in her brilliance and her excellence attended Northwestern University undergrad and University of Illinois at Chicago Medical School. Again, where she and I both attended during the same period of time. So we're we, we going to jump right in because where we left off was with we were discussing in the context of despite the fact that we develop this excellence right in 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 many areas of our lives if not all areas of our lives that somehow we've thought that one that that would help us be seen as equals and two frankly would keep them from coming after us and where we left off with part one was essentially talking about the then president of Harvard, which is Claudine Gay, who at that time was the only African-American female to ever be president of Harvard University and the only African-American to ever be president of, of Harvard University in its history. And how, you know, she had been, um, had to appear before the co a congressional committee who, um, and its veracity um, and its attacks in terms of the, the way it was conducted because of her, her comments about, um, or I should say her testimony uh, about the anti-Semitic comments that had been made and how she had handled or mishandled in their, in their, their description of it, how subsequently um, from the, the, the pressure of one of their white male donors, who's also, you know, uh, had attended Harvard, the, the pressure was so high that she has now subsequently 
resigned since we had part one of the conversation. And it, it was brought on not only by her, her testimony, but also by the fact that she had that was accused of plagiarism, which Harvard had investigated back in October, found it not to be true. But then subsequently, since the testimony, there was someone else who came out saying that there was all of these, um, again, um, examples of plagiarism. Uh, a, a large number of them, maybe as many as, as, as 50 um, examples that they said, but the problem was they had no proof at all. But because of the, the, the pressure, she subsequently resigned. So I wanted to pick things, pick things up uh, in part two with that, uh, particularly light. And again, when we're talking about, you know, excellence, you strive for excellence. And we may think it, what we hope that it brings us to be seen as equal. We hope that it gives, get, that we will then be accepted in, in, in these positions of, of, of prestige and power. Um, and yet it doesn't seem to do so. Yeah. And so I appreciate you laying all that out because, you know, the last time we talked, we ended on Claudine Gay. And as you said, her job title has changed, right? The saga further evolved to the point where she's no longer Harvard president after just uh, serving a six month tenure and resigned under obvious pressure. Um, but, you know, I, I think for me, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but for me, she's really, she's a touch point in this lesson about um, the narratives that so many of us tell ourselves. So I'll, I'll hit on just a couple of points in her scenario that really resonated with me. So the narrative as I understand it, okay, uh, October 7th, Hamas attacks Israel then Israel attack, attacks Gaza. And there's this ongoing war, bloodshed, um, and college campuses, universities are just uh, proverbially, proverbially blowing up all around the country, right? There are, <clears throat> there's activism on both sides. Student groups are uh, really working to get their views out and to advocate for, um, the side that they think needs advocating for. And so there was a lot of uh, fracturing of student bodies all around the country. In the midst of this, um, a Republican-led committee in Congress um, embarked on an investigation into the anti-Semitic comments that were made or the handling of anti-Semitic comments made at a number of universities across the country. And really there was some, there was some question as to which comments are defined as anti-Semitic and, and which are pro-Palestinian, but not necessarily anti-Israeli. And that's like a whole other political discussion I won't get into, but it's in this context that the, the uh, congressional hearing happened. Right. So like. And how we're handling it on universities 
and what do we do about free speech, right? And then somehow, because her answers were not to the liking of powerful folks, both in Congress and uh, specifically donors to Harvard, there was this full-scale attack on Claudine Gay and Liz McGill of UPenn, who pretty summarily resigned, um, and on the other woman president in the trio, a president of MIT. And so there was this full-scale media attack on them that sought to discredit them. And so the way that Claudine Gay was discredited is through these allegations of plagiarism. And what's really interesting is that Harvard investigated her. So as this was unfolding uh, in November or so, um, and early December, Claudine Gay says, hey, I mean, if there are some areas in my papers and anyone who has written a long research article or written, um, you know, submitted a published article to be journal, uh, uh, submitted an article to a journal to be published, you know, it is hard to keep track of citations. But she said, look, if I improperly cited some sources, then I would love to know. I'd love to correct it. I would love to give credit to the academics whose work I benefited from. So Harvard, please do an investigation. They concluded their investigation and said, hey, we found some improper citations, but nothing that leads, um, nothing that rises to the level of misconduct and not what we'd call plagiarism. So her boss looked into her work and said, we're not too concerned about this. We're going to go back and fix the citations and move on. Um, and yet, there were these people, there were these outside forces who were still determined to make her suffer. They just, they thought she should be punished. And I think it's no coincidence that they came after this black woman in a uh, historical position of power with such vehemence. Um, definitely more than coincidence certainly much implicit bias present and likely some just explicit racism uh, fueled the subsequent attack on Claudine Gay. So when my boss says I'm good and my boss has promoted me consistently throughout my 15 year tenure or so at, at this institution, and they think I'm awesome. How on earth do these external forces get to tell lies, play up these plagiarism allegations that my boss has just said don't rise to the level of plagiarism to the point where I have to leave my job because you are making it so hard for me and my boss. Okay, that was a very long description, but I just wanted to highlight that point in particular because one of the reasons it resonated with me is that going back to this superwoman schema, 
that back to this idea that we have to be twice as good to get half as far, it's been very easy for me to um, internalize this narrative that I have to achieve by any means necessary. And really, until very recently, this was so strongly embedded in my subconscious. Um, and Claudine Gay's saga is for me a reminder of the fact that the effort you put into achievement does not promise that you get that achievement, right? Your work is not always rewarded meritocratically. And in particular, when you are a woman, a woman of color, a black woman in America, it is very likely that you will not be rewarded meritocratically for your effort. So for me, not only did I do the work to achieve, but I was willing to, and I did in many ways, sacrifice my personal and emotional well-being in order to get the grades, in order to get the scores, in order to get in the schools, in order to see enough patients to make that money, in order to even, you know, get this startup, get this Bite Wellness platform that's all about empowering Black women wellness off the ground. There are ways in which I sacrifice my own well-being to do that. And, and the reminder is the trade-off is never worth it. It is always a losing battle if you sacrifice yourself. And so here's the thing too, and I'm sorry that, uh, that, that I wanted to just bring to this. I think it's really important to clearly state that um, nobody that's a part of this conversation um, it, it approves of genocide, whether it's um, you know someone that's that's Israeli, some whether they're Palestinian, whether they're African, you know, uh, African descent, Asian, Native Americans. There's no way that no. That, that we approve no. of that. Um, for me personally, again, I find it. Um, uh, abhorrent and as much of what um, uh, in its own way we've we've dealt with in, in its own forms here once we were brought here to this to this country. So I think um, and and so of course that's what they went after her about in the hearings initially, but then used but then used the um, the allegations of plagiarism as again, as a way to discredit her in order to get her out of the position because they want it. Because if there's only been two African-Americans, then who of the other people in terms of have been president uh, in, in Harvard's history, then who have the rest of them been? Yeah, she's only the so, second so, woman and the first black person to be president right. of Harvard, ever. Right. So, the, so, so then the, so, you know, so that means that they were male and um, I'm, I'm not aware of anyone that was that was not a white male that was that was the head of pro Harvard. And one of the things I also want to make sure, though, that we don't get lost in mm -hmm. is, is the fact that, number one, and, and is this conversation is not just about high powered women like Claudine Gay 
or like uh, the three of us who, you know, have achieved a level of um, and a standard of excellence in our own professions, because of the truth of the matter is this, this, uh, this applies, you know, to, you know, just your everyday working woman, your everyday woman who's at home taking, raising children. Cause I when to me, when you raising kids, I always ask the question, are you working in the home or outside the home? Cause mm-hmm. to me, you're never not working. You're never not working if you, if you, if you, right. If you have a, if you have a family. So I, I think, uh, um, you know, again, I just, you know, want to make sure when it, make sure that women understand that this conversation, bless you, is not just about uh, a small minority of high achieving women. This is about, again, the average everyday w- working woman, uh, whether that's in the home or out of the home and how um, uh, a certain group of people because because of race and or gender will never fi- accept us as equals. And then the things that they do in order to um, keep us out or to get us out of the, pos- of the positions of, 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 of power and profit that they with that, that white men want for themselves. And so um, you know, at, at, at this point, I, you know, I just want Dr. Bridget, h- how do you, how do you see this, that yes. the things we just, we just talked about rela- relating to the, you know, you, you know, your average working, working woman, who's, you know, working to pay the bills and take care of her fam, you know, contribute to taking care, caring her for a family. Cause as you well know, a large percentage is what's just 60% or more of African-American families are headed by women. So how do you see what happened with right. Claudine Day is relating to her, to her? Right. So, I mean, just to echo what Dr. Wu said, you know, there, there was this idea of coming up with any excuse that they could come up with to discredit her. And the plagiarism excuse, uh, the guy Ackerman, the main person, you know, it came out later, um, a criticism of him that his wife 10 years ago I think was her dissertation denied or whatever, Alex, she may have lost a job because they actually proved she did plagiarize her dissertation. So, um, you know, it, it is a double standard is the point. And just like Dr. Wu said, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many letters you have behind your name, no matter if you are, you know, the head of the household and you are a working African-American woman, you have that sort of super S or W, if you want to go with the Wonder Woman, on your chest. And there are forces in this world, in America, who are designed to hold you back at every single level. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter if you are the president of Harvard versus the secretary uh, taking care of, um, you know, the administrative assistant for Harvard, for the Harvard president you still can be discredited if someone feels that you have just talked too much or you said too much or you dress a certain way or your hair looks a certain way or you don't fit a certain agenda or if you're too outspoken or if they find that maybe you're too smart for them. A a double standard is always applied and African-American women heads are always on the chopping block. So we can find women of every um, 
socioeconomic level, working super hard, taking care of everyone in their household, like you said, sometimes the head of their household, but they have forces at their jobs who want to hold them back. So, you know, gay is at this pinnacle of um, uh, the, the representation of a, of a African-American woman who's risen to a historic level where she is the second African-American ever to be the president of Harvard, the second no, the first ever African American, well, the, the second only yeah, woman. Yeah, second woman and first black person ever. First ever black person, second ever woman. And that means, right, everyone else was a white male. Every single person was a white male. So mm -hmm. not only women have a problem, black women have a big problem. And as Dr. Wu said, the three women that they brought to the um, congressional hearings were women. They didn't right. bring any men, any male presidents. They they sought out three powerful women. One just happens to be black. So there is gender discrimination without a without question. So yes, women of every socioeconomic level, every ilk, have to work super hard. Black women even harder because we do not get an extra shake. In fact, they're they're gunning for you. They're gunning for you. They're looking for you. They're waiting for you to mess up and they're waiting for you to fail because they do not like the fact that you have disrupted the fabric of America is that black people cannot achieve and black women are sister girls or whatever they want to call us, you know, and we can never achieve. So whenever we disrupt this stereotype that they have, uh, their implicit bias is challenged. It goes against the grain for them. So they do whatever they can to get you. And that's at every level for black women, unfortunately. Right. And so I think it's, I think it's before we go, before we go into the break, I one, I just want to mention that, of course, Claudine Gay, while she stepped down, she resigned from being, you know, president of Harvard. She remains on the faculty of Harvard. Um, the other thing is we've already talked about the, um, the the president of University of Pennsylvania. She's also since resigned since part one of our conversation. And and the, the president who's female of MIT is now in the crosshairs as well. And so it's, it's um, um, you know, I think it's important also to keep in the context of, you know, what I also what I talked about in part one is that color and gender are very much a part of how um how they go about discriminating but the real color that matters is the color of money the color green and so it's the color green in terms of representing resources how do me and my how do how do i get the resources for me and mine and keep you away from getting the resources for you, you and yours what do i have to do and who do i have to do it to to keep you from getting those resources so with that we will we will we will we'll go to break and um, and then we'll be right back. We're all on our own path, but many of us encounter the same apparent roadblocks, challenges, and suffering. Discover how your fear, doubts, and disbeliefs disconnect you from spirit, causing you to struggle and forgo your divine gifts and limitless possibilities. Heaven abounds in you helps you to overcome your mind's roadblocks so you reconnect the spirit and flow 
Discover you're always connected to your source. The source of your heart's desires is already within you. And your true identity is infinite potential with limitless possibilities. Heaven abounds in you. Hi, Dr. Ballon Ader here for part two of my conversation about the protective illusion of the Black Superwoman Complex uh, with my guests, Drs. Bridget Arnett and Dr. Mowusi Arnett. So before we went to break, we just, we were talking about um, obviously uh, the former president of, of, of Harvard University, Claudine Gay, um, and then also the, 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 you know, the president of of University of Pennsylvania, she's also resigned, and and now the president, who's also female of MIT, is is in is in the crosshairs. Um, but we also then we're talking about too how th this is not just about uh, women at the pinnacles of power and position, or or women who are. Um, you know, high achievers in their professions, like the three of us, but how this also, you know, applies to, you know, the average everyday working woman, because it's about when you're, you know, after when you're an African-American woman, you're not seen as equal. Um, and so in the compensating, you're trying to be equal, but it doesn't matter because they still going to come after you. Right. And so, you know, we, we also talked a lot about, you know, mothers in terms of trying to achieve in this. But in part one, we also, you know, uh, Dr. Mawusi brought up that when she was in medical school, um, potentially one of the, de the department, uh, I don't know if it was the co-chair of, of internal medicine, basically said, we you know, when they asked the question, why you know African Americans don't stay here for you know once in terms of residency and or you know uh, uh, clinical positions or attending physician positions after they graduate, and and her comment was what Dr. Mawusi remind yeah. us yeah yeah and so sh she said well basically we don't have a big enough pool of qualified black applicants because we only have two buckets. You have the superstars way up here, acing everything and all the other black students from our, and black trainees from our programs are affirmative action cases. The implication being that, and the improper implication, right? Being that if they benefited from affirmative action, then they actually weren't qualified to be at the university and uh, didn't merit moving forward, being promoted to resident at Penn or staying on as faculty at Penn. So the, the assumption is an inherently racist one because of course there aren't just two buckets of any type of student and she wasn't saying this about the Asian students at Penn. She wasn't saying this about the white students at Penn. She wasn't saying this about the Latino students. She was saying specifically the black students, they are either overachievers or they're 
to paraphrase, we're or, or they don't deserve to be here. And so, you know, let, let's 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 call a thing a thing, people. It's one of my favorites. Yala Van Zandt would say, "Let's call a thing a thing, people." Call a thing a thing. <laughs> which which they're saying is, is that. African-Americans are inferior. You don't deserve to be here. You're not smart enough. We only let you in here because of the numbers. And, and, and then on the other token is as, you know, as, as, as a white person, we're superior to you. We deserve to be here because we're, we're smarter than you. And, uh, you know, this is a, this is our spot that we only let you have. So, it, and, and the, and the truth of, and the truth of the matter is, which has been proven scientifically that, that there's, you know, in terms of there's no race is quote unquote inherently smarter than any other one. There's no one therefore is that's more superior than either one of them when it comes to in, intellect and, and ability. And, um, you know, so saying that continue to say that we're undeserving because of color and you're deserving because of color is, 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 you know, it's just a lie and it just promotes, you know, white su supremacy. Um, but it also promotes things that, that, that again, that keep things stratified and keep certain folks poor, including, including a lot of white folks. Because as I said before, you got one person that has enough wealth that's equivalent to the bottom 50%. Hello. Um, mm. And if most of the people in this country are white, most of the people who, in terms of sheer numbers, that that comprise the poor are white. Most of the people then on public assistance are white. So it's it's um, designed to promote that fallacy, and and I think you know which is the the um, you know the parts that we were going to get into, um, you know, also is then talking about how that you know, affects how then, you know, as an African-American woman, then how do I see myself? Yeah. Um, do I have compassion for myself? Do I believe yeah. I deserve self-care? Um, and what does, what does that look like based upon, you know, my own self-perception? Right. And Dr. Ballin, right. if I can interject. Oh, uh, go ahead. Mama ahead, Doc Dr. or Dr. Bridget is speaking. I'll go let you ahead. go, Mom. Go ahead, daughter. <laughs> go ahead. No, Dr. Like Dr. Bridget, Mom, putting put her daughter. What, 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 what were you? What were you gonna say? Because I know, I yeah. know, you have something enlightening to, yes. to to bring to 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 bring to this conversation. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Oh, about me. That? Oh, I thought you meant. Oh, you know, Dr. So Bridget. One thing you said. How do we how do we get ourselves how do we overcome this idea um, when everyone in the world is telling us that we're inferior or that we can't achieve because of the color of our skin? This is something I have to say. This is something my father ingrained um, in my brother and myself when we were very very young is to be educated about your history, not the history of when you were enslaved in this country, but the history um, at the beginning of civilization when Africans. Um, were the purveyors of, of from science to math uh, to religious ideas that, that are propagated today. Before the Greeks took the um, credit, um, there were Africans. So my father, every summer over um, break, 
we had to read books, go to the library, write reports. He had books that had been banned in the United States that we had to read and write reports. So it was very important for us to know our history. And that is how Black women, that's how Black people in America can achieve. Because you're right, the fallacy of racism hurts Blacks and whites. And the fallacy of racism and the propagation of white supremacy not just holds Blacks down, it holds whites down. And then they need someone to blame things on. Now, if, if everyone in the United States just looked at life not from a racist point of view, but a socioeconomic point of view, you would have the mass of the 99% would come together, exactly, and, and, and work together as a group, and the 1% would be, for, be forced to um, share the wealth, and you would then expand your middle class. The whole point of racism is not just to hold Black people down, it is to hold poor people down. That means white, Latino, Asian. It is a socioeconomic problem under the guise of racism. So right, the, which is why Dr. Martin Luther King Dr. Why Dr. Martin Luther King's poor people's campaign was was his shift in recognizing that and the effort to 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 get people to see that this is a this is a larger problem, um, yes. in in this as you said a socioeconomic problem, where race is a component of that. Um, we absolutely are targeted. We absolutely are treated worse. We absolutely in every industry you see the consequences yes. of that. So again, I never want people to think the saying that race is not an issue in this country when it absolutely is. It's just it's a invisible right. identifier that you're the other. Right. I don't want you to have access to resources. Yeah. Right. right. Just can, can you imagine a I poor also, white person? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Could you imagine a poor white person saying that they're better than a black person who's a professor at Harvard just because of the well, color of their skin? Look, yeah. here the tie. That's what they're taught. These, that's what they're taught. Mm-hmm to tie all these really great points together. I mean, first of all, right, question of what makes a better person? Is it our achievements? Is it our race? Is it other forms of prestige that are assigned in this country? I think that's kind of what we're getting at, right? And um, a conversation we had offline, Dr. Ballin, actually really helped elucidate this concept for me. Um, just the idea that even as we talk about superwoman schema and this, this, we sum it up, it's more than that, but we, we sum it up as uh, a response to uh, the realization that we need to be twice as good to get half as far um, in American society broadly. But that isn't a standalone problem. It is. It exists under this umbrella of narratives that many different types of human beings tell themselves, either because we're taught them culturally or because we develop them 
personally as an individual response to some sort of trauma or stressor and an attempt to try to control uh, our outcomes. Um, that narrative undervalues our well-being and then outsources our value, right? Project our value as a human being onto something else and says, I'm a good person. I'm a special person and a valuable person because I'm a doctor, because I have this degree. I'm a, a special person because, and it's not just achievement, right? So we're, we're talking about how this applies to broadly to every black woman out there, even those who maybe don't work outside the home. But you helped me understand, Dr. Ballin, that it is a very similar strain to the narrative that a lot of us also tell ourselves that we are a good person or a special person and a proper woman if we can serve other people appropriately, right? Mm -hmm. If we can, can be a good caregiver to our children, to our parents, to our friends, to whomever. And the way the narrative goes is my value lies in the things that I do for others, the things that I achieve, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and not intrinsically. And as long as we attach what matters most to it, the essence of who we are to all of these external factors, we are going to be willing to sacrifice ourselves for the, or in the pursuit of those external factors. So. Right, because the, pro the problem is two things. Number one, anytime you define your identity and your worth on something that's external to your being, um, it's, it's everything in the physical world is temporary. So it rises and it falls, it comes and it goes. So therefore, I tell people, you know, you that's like, you know, attaching your happiness and your worth to a car bumper. You're going to get dragged down the street because <laughs> it's, 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 you know, like I said, it's here. It's not, it's, it's gone. Right. So it's up, it's down. And so it's, it's, it's important that we have to reach a place where, where we ask ourselves, am I going to allow myself to be defined and confined by others. Again, am I going to allow myself to be defined and confined by others? And, you know, also as a, both as a, um, a, a, a spiritual person is, do I recognize or see that I'm a sacred being just like if I come from the creator, as I to tell I'm I'm in the universe, the universe is in me, right? So how is it that a child of the universe made of stardust? Because the atoms in our in our bodies come from exploding stars, the iron in our blood comes from exploding stars, the calcium in our bones come from exploding stars. How is it that a child of the universe made of stardust? I'm inadequate. How is it that it's it's impossible? How is it that um, my, you know, my liver is better than my skin. Well, no, it's not because they serve different functions and without my skin, I'm going to die because I'm going to get an infection. You know, it's also holding things together. 
So we have to understand, we also, in, in that comparing ourselves and comparing ourselves to others, what I'm doing is I'm missing out on who I am and what my purpose is. And then doing that to the best of my ability, because I'm comparing myself to you or somebody else going, I can't do that, but I'm not designed mm -hmm. to do that. And the whole suffers when I don't do what I'm here to do, when I don't fulfill my purpose, when I don't recognize, as I like to say, my own unique wonderfulness. And so if I'm, if I keep seeking after your approval and you're never going to give it to me because you don't see me as worthy or even sometimes as a human being because of my color, I'm wasting my, I'm, I'm wasting my precious life force and energy trying to get you to see something and value something that you're never going to be able to see and value. Right. So how do we, you know, bring that then back to, you know, right. what we're talking about in terms of health and well-being, then, you know, I've, I've got to be, I've got to be willing to, as, 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 as my dear, dear friend and, and spiritual teacher, I call him Master Yoda, lovingly call him Master Yoda, said, we need to spend some time looking at the ceiling and asking life's big questions. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. who am I, why, why am I here? Not continuing to get that answer from somebody else who didn't create me. So how are you going to tell me who I am and what worth I have when you didn't create me and make me? And, yeah. and, and, and your perception is just distorted and, and twisted and sideways. And, and, you know, you belong up in Arkham to talk about the third person who don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. So why am I like talking to you anyway? Why am I listening to, why am I believing you? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bridget, Ms. what do y'all think about that? Yeah. No, I go ahead, Dr. Bridget. No, you know, I, I totally agree. You're right. And that's so there's a level of autonomy and self-awareness, um, self-love and understanding that you're propagating, that you're saying this is how. Racism. Um, and just knowing, just being from a spiritual point of view, knowing that God made us. Um, knowing that we have certain worth, knowing that we have worked hard to get to our current level of, of success, whatever that is, and that we have to be proud of ourselves and move forward from there. But I, I think, again, that that, re that requires a recognition that, uh, again, if I'm the person who is... Um, you know, driving the bus, right? Or if I'm the cafeteria lady, or if I'm working in, you know, in a daycare center, or, you know, I'm working at a fast food restaurant on the, on, you know, as, as a cashier, then I still have value and worth. Not because, you know, stop, stop tying that to what I do, Stop tying that to my results because I'm a, in my words, either you either depending upon your your you know your wisdom tradition or your faith and beliefs, you either spiritual being or a physical being or human being, but you're not a human doing. 
You're not a spiritual mm -hmm. being, right? You are a being. So your yeah. work, as you said, is intrinsic to your being, not to your doing and not to your results, right? So it doesn't exactly. it doesn't matter the work you do. It 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 doesn't matter the level to which you achieve. It doesn't matter if 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 it's quote you know excellence if you twice as good or not. You have inherent worth because you exist. Say it again, Dr. Ballin. Somebody else needs to hear that. Okay. I said that we have to recognize that, you know, regarding, regard, depend upon our wisdom tradition or, you know, our, our, our faith and, and beliefs that we are either spiritual beings and not spiritual doings or human beings and not human doings. And that our worth therefore is based upon who I am as a being that's inherent and intrinsic to who I am as a being. It never had anything to do with what I do or my results. And so the, the other thing I like to remind people in that, in that regard, then it doesn't have to do with how well you do something, how excellent it is, or how mediocre it is. Just your, your worth has everything is, is, is based upon the fact that you exist. Yeah. I mean, look, that, that's so powerful. And we know, I, I don't know about you, but I, as wonderful as my parents are, as well as they taught us, I had you know, messaging from the world seep into my brain, to, to my understanding as I went through life, right? Becoming a young adult and um, understanding just how much these systems in particular will project our value across these signs of prestige the simpler way of saying it is just, well, I don't know if this is simpler or not, but what you pointed out, the fact that each of us has intrinsic value, there's nothing else we have to do to get there, to be a valuable human being. That is a fact that is contradicted in every single system of oppression, whether we're talking about classism or racism or homophobia or why because, because they do that because it's a way of keeping you in line and yeah. in a box in order to meet their needs. Right. You know, so we, we we need to we need to we need to recognize you know what it is and why it is. It's designed yeah. to it's designed to, to have you be who people want you to be. And, and you know, another way I, I, I try to get people to think about something is when people talk about success or failure. And I have this thing where we always successful. Why? Because every time you take an action, you create a result. So you always successful. It's just a lot of time you successful to create some issue you don't want. Mm -hmm. uh, but you learn from it. Even right. then you learn well, Did you learn from it? That's another question. But the other the other the counter to that though is right. is that failure is always a result. It's never a person, and so we 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 so and we have to mm -hmm. sit back and think about where do yes. I get, where do I get 
where did I get my thoughts from and my beliefs from? And that it's a choice for me to believe that it's a choice for me not to. As I like to say, you know, is, is in terms of people's negative opinions and things like you, you know, pe people can offer you cocaine. It's up to you to say thank you or no thank you. Right. So uh, I was going to say we lost right. we lost Dr. Doc, we lost Dr. We lost Dr. Bridget. And so I'm, I'm glad she's back. But one of the things I want to get into, because we obviously we're going to have to do a we're going to have to do a part three as we but we but I wanted I want to get into we, we've talked about how that sense of self um, is is we have to define that for ourselves. But again, if you lack compassion, if if you don't like you. OK, then you don't value you and then you don't have self-compassion and you don't therefore take care of you. And therefore you end up with illness or you end up with less than optimal health. So I'd like for yes. us to at least get into that before in these last this last minute or so. Um, uh, and then, of course, we're going to have to come on back for, for part three. Dr. Bridget. Yes, so if I can make sure my Wi-Fi doesn't go out again <laughs> while I'm in the middle of speaking. <laughs> you are on a roll, too. Connection, right? <laughs> I know, right? So what we got? Right, so you're right. So that self-determination, that, that loving yourself and being comfortable with yourself is important. And and we as black women have to understand how we get to that point. Doesn't matter what S or W is on your chest. If you're not happy with who you are and where you are and whose you are, then you cannot take care of other people. You, you have got to take care of yourself. Um, from going to the doctor, getting your mammograms, getting your screenings, getting vaccinations so that you don't become ill and make other people ill or that you're taken out of commission, um, taking your blood pressure meds when you have a, when you, when you're, you've been diagnosed, taking your vitamin D when you've been diagnosed with deficiencies, you know, self-care is getting up, grooming, brushing your teeth, washing your face, saying your prayers, being thankful. So, Dr. Mahusi, so Dr. Mahusi, just just really quickly, I, I know we 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 are gonna get into this some more, but I also know, obviously, you know, get, getting getting enough sleep, right? Because that's important to uh, a number yeah. of things in 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 our health, right? If you can't sleep, yeah. if you if you're not well rested, it's almost impossible to lose weight, right? Um, yeah, right. I mean, look, I I yes. tend to talk to patients and also members of the bite wellness community about the wellness superpowers that we have at least seven, right? But you can think of them in terms of EMS. So emergency medical services, like when you get in trouble, who do you call? If you have to call 911, who are you calling? E for eating well, and um, we can get into what that means, but primarily whole foods, lots and lots of plants. Um, M for moving very regularly, like as much as possible, including non-exercise movement. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of S's. There's sleeping well, like you said, Dr. Ballin. There's stress management, so de-stressing. There is uh, strategic substance use. And then obviously they can reach you at Bite Well, B-Y-T-E, 
wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com. And Dr. Bridget, you're at, at Hyde Park. What's Neurology.com. Okay. So thank you so much, ladies, for joining us. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Ballin A. Durr, awakening, empowering you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today in the sweet spot. Share, follow, and like us on social media. To learn more, please visit balinadurmd.com, spelled B-A-L-I-N-A-D-U-R-R-M-D.com. Join us next week, and remember, when you heal your mind, all things are possible.